This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello and welcome to the EPFR podcast. Uh, today, a slight back to the future moment as we're joined today by uh, EPFR CEO Todd Willits, who kicked off these podcasts uh, over two years ago. Uh, and back to the future is a good way to start today's podcast because we're going to talk a bit about the future of EPFR. Um, which recently, as some of you may have read, uh, passed from the ownership of Informa to private equity firm Montague. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to Todd to sort of uh, explain some of the bare bones of uh, what this will mean for EPFR going forward. Hey, Cam. Thanks for having me. Uh, Great to be back on the podcast. Um, So I think probably the first thing I'd just like to explain is uh, this concept of us being a standalone company has been mentioned a few times. So I thought it would be helpful to just kind of explain what that concept of standalone means. So in essence, we're going to have full control over the direction of the business, from the product roadmap all the way to the company culture. It means we're going to be able to speed up the development of things that we've long planned for, like high-value data sets. Uh, we can enhance existing data sets at the speed that is preferable for our clients. And we can create more analytics and visualizations, which ultimately should allow our clients to get more value out of both the existing and the future offerings. Good. So when you and I... Uh, reconvene in this forum uh, in the future. Uh, what are some of these new offerings you think we'll be talking about? Yeah, so I could probably give a few examples of recent um, products that we have launched that would be indicative of the types of offerings that we'll we'll create. So I, I know Cam, you've talked about on this podcast the hedge fund flow data set that we have developed. So in essence, that's assets moving into and out of globally domiciled hedge funds. Uh, we can talk about that in a moment. I know that we've, uh, we, we have some level of insight into that. Another example is the stock barometer that we've reached, recently brought to market. So that stock barometer uses our security level stock flow data, and it's a visual representation of sentiment and asset movements into and out of those individual equity securities. So you'll notice this concept of asset movements. Ultimately, we want to be the single source of truth for where money is moving around the world between different financial products. The stock barometer gives us a visual uh, visualization where we can uh, help our clients tell that story themselves. And data sets like that hedge fund flow product I mentioned are are kind of the underlying uh, proof of what is happening in a market. Do you do you want to speak at all to that, Cam? The hedge fund flow uh, insight. I might just mention that uh, sort of our latest review of the monthly data has come out, generated by the Quant team. Um, and what certainly struck me was that. Uh, the, among the asset class groups that got money uh, were energy funds, um, 
which is a somewhat different picture from what we've been seeing uh, in our more standard fund fund and ETF flows uh, regarding energy. Uh, energy sector funds have struggled in recent weeks, uh, I think in big part because um, with the uh, crisis that has been generated in that area by Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, um, Europe is paving the way for um, regulation of prices and, and rationing supplies, uh, which does not sort of promise the kind of profits that might draw more people into the sector. From hedge funds to perhaps the opposite asset class, uh, Part of the EPFR offering uh, is uh, the coverage of the money market fund industry uh, done by uh, iMoneyNet, which is now a part of EPFR. Uh, and we will be having our first uh, public event as a standalone company this week in New York uh, when we gather uh, with the core iMoneyNet people to discuss um, what is generally regarded as one of the more stable and prudent corners of the portfolio capital universe. Yeah, MMX returning uh, money market exchange. Very excited for that. It's really a chance for us to uh, show a lot of the thought leadership that you and the, the iMoneyNet team uh, have built up over the past couple years uh, and bring together different industry participants who really have a strong voice in the market, um, and it's all backed by that data that we we provide around uh, money funds and, and the impact of uh, rising rates. As we see more and more of our clients get more assets in and obviously see rising interest rates, uh, there's definitely a lot of interest in this part of the industry. Uh, so very excited to have everyone back in New York, uh, on right by Hudson Yards at Canoe Studios, to to have a, a pretty lively conversation around money funds. Well, it's going to be a particularly interesting point in time to discuss them, uh, because for that industry, things have gotten very interesting in the Chinese sense of the word. Um, they uh, are sitting on top uh, of still a greatly enhanced asset base thanks to the flight uh, towards them that uh, we charted uh, in the immediate aftermath of the uh, COVID pandemic shock in, in early 2020. Um, at the same time, their ability to uh, manage uh, profitably that uh, additional bit Assets has been complicated by uh, the pressure from an, the previous rounds of reforms and another round of reforms that the SEC has been advocating for, which has really sort of pushed most managers to take the most conservative options. So, um, they are a huge asset base, but uh, the average weighted maturity uh, of the assets they hold to meet that has shrunk. Um, a lot of the industry is, is still tethered to the Fed's repo facility, um, which obviously provides stability and safety, but uh, 
tends to anchor margins and some of the options. Um, so there will certainly be uh, a lot to discuss. Uh, the industry feels, uh, I think, I don't think I'm misquoting them here, that there are bigger issues in the short-term funding market that uh, rather than regulators rather than addressing have chosen to simply heap a few more uh, rules and regulations on them. On the China topic, I know a number of our clients are looking to open those uh, China-focused money market funds. So obviously, it's a to your point, it's a large untapped part of the market that I think everyone wants exposure to. Yeah, at least uh, one of our clients is in partnership with a Chinese firm to develop um, more money market products. Um, you know, for many, not many, but for several years, that particular story in China was dominated by the giant uh, fund managed by Ant Financial. Uh, that is no longer dominating the market, uh, somewhat a victim of China's regulatory crackdown uh, on many of its uh, cutting-edge tech uh, and financial firms. Uh, but still an evolving market, and it's still China's official policy that they want to open it up in a measured way to foreign expertise. Uh, interestingly, uh, our flows data shows that after a lengthy inflow streak into China money market funds, they've just started to compile a small outflow streak. Perhaps they knew we were going to be talking about them. Anyhow, we will have uh, quite a bit, I think, to discuss stemming from that conference on the next podcast. Absolutely. What what are you uh, keeping an eye out for in the in the coming weeks, Cam? Well, obviously, uh, there's a lot going on in the in the general market, and that's to some degree reflected in our our flows and allocations data. Um, Europe remains perhaps the focal point of the many stresses and strains that are afflicting uh, the global economy right now, and it. Uh, uh, seems to uh, all roads seem to lead there, but as is often the case, though the general backdrop uh, can be spun into a very gloomy tale indeed. Uh, we are seeing uh, people with clearer eyes seek opportunity in this current climate. Um, there is finally some yield on offer for fixed income investors, and we've seen very strong flows, especially at the short end of the curve, into sovereign bond funds. Uh, dividend equity fund flows uh, remain consistently strong. Um, and uh, one interesting development we've been seeing recently is that uh, rather than the perceived safety or relative safety of diversified exposure, which you would get through the global emerging markets and global equity funds, we've actually been seeing more conviction in uh, certain country level uh, fund groups, which is you know is not the normal pattern in periods of stress. So that's. Uh, that's something we've been keeping an eye on. What do you think is driving that? Is that uh, uh, inflation uh, <laughs> running rampant around the globe has a bigger impact on broad emerging markets and maybe there's perce more perceived risk? 
you know, it, it's new enough that I'm still trying to work out sort of what really lies uh, behind it. But I think in some cases, it's simply that um, given the general market route and the drop in the dedicated country fund performance that that has, has triggered, uh, that investors can see some value there. Uh, in a specific way that's much harder to do when you're sort of looking at the big picture and there seem to be fires, uh, you know, in every corner of the investment landscape that you look. Um, China, as is so often the case, I think remains, uh, uh, you know, a, a special case. Uh, and it, investors are um, very consistently putting in a money, a money into a market that, uh you know, has many of the pathologies that would not they would normally run away from. Um, there've been a number of narratives driving that. Uh, the latest of which seems to be the belief that he will um, easily get the third term he is seeking later this month or early next, and that with that in the bag, he will be more open to being flexible on the zero COVID policy, which would obviously have a, a, a very positive effect, uh, certainly on the Chinese economy. Yeah, and even in the in the last week, uh, or just over two weeks ago, we saw uh, Hong Kong lift a lot of those uh, quarantine rules for, for visitors. So uh, it does seem like there is a general trend towards, uh, towards easing in that region. Which is music, of course, also to investors' ears as, as other central banks tighten. Uh, any, any government uh, that uh, has a credible plan, plan for making monetary conditions easier <laughs> is likely to get some positive attention in the current climate. So, Cam, thanks for, for having me. Uh, just to kind of wrap up, uh, very excited that we are now part of the Montague portfolio uh, and family. Over time, I think probably the biggest changes that clients could expect to see, um, we're going to definitely be incorporating the needs of our clients and the voice of our clients more and more into the products. So we want to know what the challenges our clients are facing. That'll ultimately inform our product roadmap. So if you are a client and listening to this, we'll definitely be engaging in conversations around that in the coming months. As far as actual product changes, I think we'd like to incorporate more and more of the visualizations we had briefly talked about. So things like Sankey diagrams, so we can easily visualize money moving from one location into another location. Ultimately, that will allow clients to synthesize to those most important themes that you notice, but you notice them can because you've been doing this for, for so long and you have a, a general sense for what narratives are emerging. A lot of our clients need a little bit of assistance to understand those themes or trends with minimal processing on their end. So hopefully we can speed that along. And in general, speaking of speed, we're going to aim to go much faster in developing our offerings and are definitely going to be looking for feedback through the entirety of the process. So uh, for those of you listening, uh, thank you for listening. And we're very excited to be uh, undertaking this next phase of our evolution uh, as a standalone business, EPFR Incorporated. <laughs> Good. See you in New York. See you in New York. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. 
For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.